If you have your copy of the scripture, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. And we're really um, looking this morning at uh, verses 26, Hebrews 10, 26 through chapter 11, verse 6. And so uh, I'll challenge you, um, although we may not read each of those verses uh, this morning, I want to challenge, as I did last week, to uh, uh, take time and read through this great passage. Uh, because like all of the, the book of Hebrews, there's some great stuff in here that we want you to get uh, and that we want you to um, uh, digest, I guess, and, and then apply uh, to your life. We have been talking over the last several weeks uh, about how Christ is, is overall, and He is, Jesus Christ is, in fact, God Himself, God in flesh, who came for a purpose, and that purpose was to be our Savior. For God loves us so much that He knew we were sinful and broken and, and separated from Him, so He sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die on the cross for us, and so that any who choose to believe in Him could have life and not perish and not suffer like we deserve. And so we've seen Jesus as this great high priest who comes to God on our behalf. We've seen Jesus as the one with all power and authority who once for all paid the price for all sin. And now this, today, the, the passage in chapters, at the end of chapter 10 to chapter 11, goes into talking about faith. Now, we've come now to probably some of the most familiar passage in all of the book of Hebrews, and that's into the edge of chapter 11. Now, many of you know this as the faith chapter. And uh, if you want to know about faith, you go to Hebrews 11, right? There's lots of different stories of faith. And we'll get to that uh, some this week and some uh, in, in, in the next couple of weeks as we talk about these great stories of faith all throughout the Old Testament time and, and what the writer of Hebrews is doing for the Hebrew people, which is this letter was written to, was taking them through their journey of faith as a people of God and, and their great heroes of the faith and challenging them by then. But he begins here in chapter 10, uh, even in verse 26, by talking about how our faith in God should change our lives. And so I want to re read for you uh, just a few of those verses, and then we'll, uh, we'll get into this, because there's some exciting stuff for us today about faith. So read with me, if you will, in Hebrews chapter 10, we'll just read uh, verses uh, in, begin reading in verse 32. Remember those earlier days after you'd received the light when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. Let us pray. Dear God, I thank You and I praise You for the precious gift of Your Word. I pray that You lead us through it now. Teach us Your ways. And God, increase our faith in You. Help us to fully put our lives in Your hands, to trust in, in, in Your leadership in your guidance, in your provision. For God, you are a great God, full of majesty and glory and power. You are the God who has paid for our salvation, who has given us hope 
who has given us eternal life. Help us, Lord, to trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, as I mentioned, this uh, passage uh, covers a, a lot of verses, and so I'm going to cover uh, bits of the verses and bits of e- explaining about that. I want to challenge you to, to go back and read through chapter 10, verse 26, through chapter 11, uh, verse 7, because there's some great challenges for us as a people of God about faith. It begins in uh, verses 26 to 31 to talk about how faith in Jesus Christ is a saving faith. To put our, our trust in Jesus Christ brings salvation and it brings hope. Now I want to read these uh, first few verses, 26 to, uh, to 31, and then I'll explain this for just a moment. It says in verse 26, an interesting passage, it says, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and the raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as unholy the thing, uh, sorry, as an unholy thing, the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. Now, that's an interesting passage, isn't it? It almost seems to contrast the uh, verses 32 to 36 that we read, because 32 to 36, although it's it's talking about a a great suffering people have gone to their faith, and it ends uh, a a bit later by talking about the hope we have in, in Christ. And we've been talking over the last few weeks about how we have life and hope and freedom and peace because of Jesus. And then this is this passage about death and suffering and, and woe and warning to those who continue to sin. So let me talk to you a, a bit about what this passage is not saying. And so in verses 26 to 27, when it says, it says this, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we receive the knowledge of the truth, No sacrifice for sins is left, but only fearful expectation of judgment and raging fire. Now what this is not saying is if you continue to sin after you become a Christian, you lose your salvation and there's no hope for you. Because what it is saying here is saying God has provided salvation through Jesus Christ and made a way to God. Life is available to any who will choose to believe in Him. But you still have to choose that. You can choose not to accept God's love. You can choose not to accept God's grace. And saying, look, the Hebrew people were in this tradition in that they sinned and they sinned and they sinned and they fell away from God. But every year the high priest would offer this sacrifice and it's all good again. It's like a a clean slate. And so you just go back to just keep on sinning. What he's saying here, this is right after... Uh, as Jen was talking about from, from Hebrews 10 in the earlier part, it says Christ paid that price once and for all. He, the God of the universe, died on the cross to pay the price for all our sin. All that is paid for. And you can have life and hope and freedom because of that. But if you continue to choose to reject Christ, then you're going to die because of that sin. The punishment of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So it's not saying 
if a Christian still sins, because we all fall short of God's glory. But thank God that sin is forgiven. That sin is paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. We've accepted Him as our Lord and Savior. We've accepted that gift of salvation. So even if a Christian continues to fall into sin, as we do, there is forgiveness and there is hope. That sin is paid for. It's not saying if you continue to sin as a Christian, then you lose that salvation. But it is saying that God offers life to any who choose to believe in Him. He's paid the price for that sin. But if you choose not to accept Him as Lord and Savior, if you choose to not accept that gift of salvation, uh, then there is condemnation and there is death. Likewise, in verses 28 to 29, verse 29, it says, uh, it, it, well, sorry, verse 28 says, when, when people disobeyed the law of Moses, they were uh, killed almost on the spot with a witness of two or three. How much more severely does someone deserve to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? What this is not saying is that those, especially Christians who continue to sin, will be greatly punished or even rejected by God. What it is saying is that Christ has paid the price for all our sin and He offers life to any who will trust in Him. But for those who reject it, that leads to death. Sin leads to death. Jesus leads to life and hope and freedom. Verses 31, 30 to 31 are like that. And it says, Jesus is the one who is going to judge everyone. Now what it's not saying is that Christians need to fear, live in fear of God's judgment. There are other religions like that. Muslims are that. They, they live in fear wondering when they stand before Allah at the end of time, will they have done more good than bad of their life? I would say probably not. But they give and give and try to give to charities and do the right thing. Because in their belief system, if they haven't done more good than bad, at the end of the time, if they stand before Allah, then they're condemned. If they've done enough good, then maybe He'll let them into paradise. What it's not saying here is that God's a judge and only, only, we're only going to find out at the end whether we've done enough good or not. What it is saying here is that there's no amount of good that we can do that was going to lead us into heaven, that's going to give us a ticket in the door, in the, the gates of heaven. But it is saying that Christ is the one who has paid once for all that price for us. He has paid for the sins. He is righteous. He is holy. He's the one who can buy that salvation. And He's done that. So any who trust in Him has life and peace. And any who choose not to believe in Him leads to death. And it is saying that only God knows. who is, And God is going to judge when He says, who has put their trust in Him and who has not. For those who put their trust in Jesus Christ, it leads to life, eternal life in the presence of God. For those who choose to reject the love of Christ and the salvation that's available through Him, it leads to death. And so faith in Jesus Christ, when we put our lives in His hands, that is a saving faith. To trust in Jesus leads to life, an abundant life. While we're here on earth, not a life free of suffering, but an abundant life with His peace, with His presence with us, and eternal life, eternal life with God. Long after this life is over, and one of these days, each of our lives will more likely end. But for a lot of Christians, that's not the end. This is not the end. We just keep on going to be with God. In fact, we go directly to be with Him in His presence. What a wonderful thing. Death is in the life of a Christian. 
for it leads to life with God because of Jesus Christ. It has saved us from the penalty of our sins, a gift of life through Jesus Christ. But faith in Jesus Christ is not just a, a saving faith, but sometimes, in fact, oftentimes around the world, it leads to a persecuted faith. Now, persecution is something that we know very little about in our Western societies. But the Hebrew people who this letter was written to, they know full well about being persecuted for being a Christian. Because these early Christians, these early uh, Jewish followers who, who trusted in Jesus, they were persecuted by the Romans, they, they fled Rome and were persecuted by different governments all around the world. That's what they call the diaspora, the dispersed Jews around the world. They were persecuted by their own Jewish brothers and sisters because they had left the faith. They had left Judaism and said that Jesus is their Savior and that Jesus is, is the one who's brought salvation to them. And so they were beaten and they were robbed and they were persecuted. And the passage that we read just a few moments ago, said, hey, remember when you first became a Christian and you were heavily persecuted? Remember those times. Remember them well and stay strong. Now, this is a challenging passage for us because we often didn't experience that. You might say, remember when you first became a Christian you were so excited to go tell everybody about Jesus? Many people experienced that. Maybe you say, remember when you first became a Christian and your family and friends were so happy for you? Maybe you remember something like that. But we often don't remember those times of persecution. It says, remember a time in which you gladly had all your land and your homes confiscated because you know that your treasure is in heaven. You know that there were greater times. Hold on to that sort of faith. We in Australia very, know very little of this persecution because we live in such amazing freedoms. And one of those freedoms is that freedom of religion. If you want to choose to believe in Christ, that's great. If you want to choose to change religions, that's fine. You're free to do that. A friend of mine uh, from just a few years back uh, named, to, named uh, Bashir. He came to Australia by boat to escape uh, religious persecution in Iran. He was born a Muslim. Uh, he had all Muslim family, uh, married a, a Muslim wife as a lovely little girl. And then one day, in his kind of normal life in Iran, or so one night, he had a dream. And he said, Jesus came to him in a dream and said, Bashir, I am the one true God. He woke up that morning and he told his wife and he told his neighbors and he told the people at the, the, the local bakery and the shop that he is trusted in Jesus, the one true Savior. And he, he told me, he said, Jesus revealed himself to me. How can I not reveal him to other people? And so he not only gave his life to Christ, he went around all the neighborhood telling people he gave his life to Christ. And he started leading other people to Christ. Now, just so you're aware, in Iran, it is uh, to convert from Islam to Christianity is punishable, punishable by death. And he knew this. I mean, every Muslim in Iran knows this. But he said, I cannot help but tell people what Jesus has done for me, that Jesus changed my life. And so he goes around telling people about Jesus. And he was arrested many times. He was beaten severely many times, almost to the point of death. And he just would get out and he would heal and he would go back to telling everybody about Jesus. Because he said, I have to. 
I just need to. And one time, as he was arrested, some government officials said, if you want to continue to say you follow Christ, then you're going to follow him in his sufferings. And they took him, and they put chains on his arms and stretched him out uh, like he's on a cross. And they said, we're going to continue to beat you. We're going to continue to, perse- to, to make you suffer until you say that Jesus is not Christ, that Jesus is not God. You can say Jesus is, is just a prophet like we believe in Islam. You can say that Muhammad is the one true prophet and that Allah is the one true God. But if you continue to, to say that Jesus is Lord, then you're going to pay the price. And he was stretched there for hours upon hours until, like they, they stretched him out until his, um, his bones dislocated. And they left him stretched there for hours in pain. And he still wouldn't say that Jesus, my Lord. And he said, well, what do you say now? And he said, Jesus is the one true God. And they put some weights clamped to his muscles here, held down on, on chains. And they left him still hung there for hours until the muscles in his arms ripped from the bone. And when he was finally set free, because all he had to say was, Jesus is not Christ, Jesus is not Lord. But he wouldn't do it. He couldn't do it. He finally was able to escape Iran and make it through kind of a system to get on a boat to Australia. When he was brought to Australia, he was immediately put in a detention center in um, in Darwin, where he spent three years. And guess what he did in that detention center? He told everybody about Jesus. He said, Jesus has saved me from, from my sin, and Jesus has saved me from the persecution stuff in, in Iran, and given me an opportunity to, to speak to others. And he's telling everybody about his faith in Jesus Christ. And he was baptized by a church there in Darwin. He moved to Sydney, joined a church in Sydney, uh, started a Bible study in his home for other uh, Iranian guys and just kept leading and leading and leading people to Jesus. Even once they were in Sydney, his wife and his daughter and, and he were in Sydney. His wife never came to faith. She continued as a Muslim. He suffered great persecution in Iran because of his faith. Even in Australia, as he continues to tell people about Jesus and to this day he continues to do so, he's lost his wife he's lost his marriage she turned and refused to allow him to have any custody of uh, their daughter or any visiting rights with the daughter they said he is insane and he is dangerous and he's caused such great hardship on their family and yet he continues to praise god and can't help but tell other people about god's love and i've talked to him and said why why do you do it why do you keep telling people about jesus it's cost you so much and he said, no, it cost Jesus his life. He gave his life for me. How can I not give my life for him? That's what he's talking about in verses 32 to 36. It says, remember when you became a Christian and it cost you everything. Remember those days and stay strong. Stay strong in light and know that God is faithful and that you have even greater rewards and even a greater home in heaven with God, in paradise with, with God himself. You have Jesus Christ who will walk through the hardships of life with you. Stay strong. Remember those hardships. Remember that suffering. Remember the persecution and stay strong. Now we often serve God 
But it's so easy, isn't it? It's easy. I could even use social media and, and post something, my, a, a favorite Bible verse, or say what God is doing for me, and it goes all around the world, and I don't suffer any persecution at all for it. Now, some of you may be laughed at. You may lose some friends. Maybe your family doesn't understand. But we live in a free country. So freedom. We have to ask ourselves as a church, do we live by that sort of faith? Do we live by faith or do we serve out of convenience? It's easy to be a Christian here, isn't it? It's easy to say we love God. We can stand in a public place and sing His praises. We can tell others about Jesus it's so, with such ease. But we still need to be reminded of how God is faithful and God is strong even when the situations don't go our way. When the government starts turning and confiscating properties and lands, say, hey, I was glad when they did that because I've got better things ahead. When, when, when your workplaces or, or the government start pushing down on the church and persecution may, may come someday to the Western church, we need to stand strong to know that God is forever faithful. Even when things don't go our way, He is still Lord and He can be trusted that is a strong sort of faith that puts our lives out of our hands and puts them in the hands of the Master. Now that's a big ask, isn't it? That's the sort of faith that Hebrews is talking about. That's the sort of faith that Jesus asked. Is that we don't just serve Him when, when it's easy, but we say, God, I give you my life. That's what surrendering Him, that's what faith is all about. It is a, a persevering faith. Faith, verses 30 to 35 to 39, talk about a, a persevering faith. It's a faith that, that moves beyond just what we're taught to experiencing Christ Jesus. Faith moves us beyond what we've learned and what we've been promised, or what we've hoped for. or It moves us to a new life, out of our control and into the hands of the masters. The Hebrew people knew all about the kingdom of God and, and all that was on offer. They knew of the riches and the greatness that could be theirs if they followed God. They knew all the Old Testament scriptures and the prophecies of what was to come. But the Bible says in verses 35 to 39, they hadn't done the will of God because they hadn't persevered beyond that and put their trust in Jesus. And so, because they hadn't done that will of God, they hadn't put their trust in Jesus, they did not receive that reward, that eternal reward. Like we said, putting our trust in Jesus, putting our faith out of our, our own hands and into, into Jesus. If we put our faith in Jesus, that brings salvation, that brings life, that brings hope, that brings eternity for us. But if you choose not to, if what you, it says in verse 35 to 39, if you shrink back from that, if you go, you know what, this all sounds great and sounds wonderful, and we sing the songs of the church and we, we know the scriptures, but we kind of shrink back and say, hold on, I'm not sure if I want to have that sort of faith. I'm not sure I really want to take my life out of my hands because it's pretty comfortable here. If we kind of shrink back from that, then we're not truly following God. We haven't truly surrendered our lives to Him. And oh, how we struggle as a people of God with our faith. God is forever faithful. We're like, all right, God, I'm with you. Oh, okay, maybe not now. God, I'm with you again. Okay, maybe you know, it's getting a bit hard. We're like, God, I'm on fire. Come on, guys. Let's follow God. And we're like, oh, okay. Let's, let's just do it. Let's bring it down a few notches. And we're going, we're, we're on fire. Okay, we're not. We're faithful, we're not. 
We say we're on fire for God. We say we're going to follow God. We say our trust is in God. And then when the rubber hits the road, so to speak, when, when it, it becomes challenging or when things don't go our way, we go, where are you, God? Our trust is no longer in His hands. It needs to be a persevering faith. It needs to be a faith that affects all of our lives. Hebrews chapter 11, again, is a whole chapter about faith. It begins by uh, what many of you say is, is how the Bible defines faith. And then goes through story after story of people who put their faith in Him. Let me read for you Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 from the message. It says, The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors and set them above the crowd. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is a firm foundation under everything that makes, us, that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors and set them above the crowd. Faith simply placing our lives into God's hands, out of our limited control and into His majesty and power. And it affects every part of our lives, our direction, our purpose, and should distinguish our lives from others. Faith should allow people to see Christ in us. In verses 2 to 6, talk just about that. By faith we understood that the universe was formed by God. By, he spoke it into existence so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better sacrifice or offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. By faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards, he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith changes our perspective on everything. It should affect every part of our life. It is a living faith, the foundation, the fundamentals of our very existence as a people of God and should distinguish our lives from the lives of others. Faith allows people to see Christ in us. There are a lot of people who have a knowledge of God. They know all about Him. They know the promises of heaven. They know the promises of life. Many people know of the hope that we have in Jesus. But few put their trust in God. Few put their trust in Jesus and truly have faith in Him. They shrink back when push comes to shove. How's your faith? Anyone who comes to Him, it says there in verse 6, anyone who comes to Him must do so in faith, recognizing that Jesus is God in flesh. He is the one with all the power and all authority, and He is the one who paid once for all for our sins through His death on the cross, and then was raised to life and offers life and freedom and hope to any who will trust in Him. He guides us in love and offers us life. Do you have faith in God? 
Do you have faith in Jesus? Do you believe that He really is our Lord? Sometimes, uh, maybe there are some of you here this morning, God is asking you, do you trust in Him? Do you believe that He is the living God, the one and true God? Do you believe that He forgives you? Do you believe that He loves you that much? That He knows you so much? He knows the sins, He knows the wrong, He knows the unfaithfulness, and yet He has paid for all of that by His own blood. All you have to do is trust in Him. And you can have life here today. Maybe God is asking you as a Christian, step out on faith. Follow Him. Maybe He's asking you to, to serve in some way. Maybe He's asking you to be bold enough to talk to someone at, at work or in the shops about Jesus and who He is. Maybe He's asking you to trust Him with the finances in your family. Maybe He's asking you to trust Him in some other way. Maybe there's some relationship problems. Maybe there's some family problems. Whatever it is, I guarantee none of it is too big for God. He may be asking you to step out onto the water and just trust Him. He may be asking you to step out on faith and say, can you place your life out of your hand, out of your control? Can you do what doesn't make sense and just let go? Oh, how hard it is for us. How hard it is for us to just let go. There's an old saying, is, you know, let go and let God. But it's so hard, isn't it? Maybe God's asking you today just to let go. I want to challenge you this morning. Go back, reread through chapters 10 and, and into 11 to talk about faith because true faith in God, the faith that God asks us to have as the people of God, the, the, the church, is a faith that should affect all of our lives. It's a living faith that's evident in all that we do. Do we fall back at times? Absolutely. Do we fall short of God's best? Yes. And we as a church need to be encouraging each other to keep living that faith, to keep going. That's why he said, hey, remember those times of persecution? Remember those hard times when it was tough to be a Christian? Hold on to those and know that God is faithful and stay strong because there are other tough times coming. We need to not get lax or relaxed when, um, when, when the easy road is here and when, it, when it's easy to become a Christian because there are tough times coming. There will be times in which all of our faith is tested. In fact, it seems every day our faith is tested. We need to be ready. We need to stand strong and know that God is faithful and we can trust Him when things for us don't make any sense. When they don't go our way, we can trust in our great God. He provided our salvation. He is our Savior. He is God Himself. And will walk through life with us. Have faith in Him. Let me just close this in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank You and I praise You for Your power and Your majesty and Your authority, for Your grace and Your mercy and love that You have paid the price for our sin and bought our salvation, that any who trust in You can have life and hope and peace for all eternity, eternal life with You. Thank You for Jesus. Thank You for the cross and for His willingness to pay the price for us. God, help us as, a people of, as Your people Help us to put our trust in Jesus. Help us to know that He not only provided our salvation, but that we have a forever presence with Him. That Your Holy Spirit is in our hearts. That You walk and, and talk with us through even the darkest hours. And that even when our faith is at its weakest, even when it seems the challenges are too great, You are forever faithful. You are forever strong. You are a mighty God a gracious God who will pick us up, 
who will protect us, who will lead us through. Help us, Lord, in whatever you're challenging us with, in whatever we're facing each day, help us to put our faith in you, our great God, our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.